If you have your Bibles, take your Bibles and open them up to uh, Exodus chapter 12. And we're going to look at one verse. It's Exodus chapter 12, verse 14. Now today, as we set aside the time uh, throughout America to remember some of the important dates that's inside of our history, uh, this term, remembrance, is the thing that stands out the most. Today is Memorial uh, Day weekend. And that term, remembrance, doesn't just cover the last couple hundred years, or in our case, it's less than a hundred years. It was after World War I when, the, when the, uh, the term came about. This term of remembrance goes all the way back to that time in Exodus. Um, in Exodus chapter 12, verse 14, the Bible simply says, Now this day will be a memorial for you, to you, and you shall celebrate it as a feast to the Lord. Throughout your generations, you are to celebrate it as a permanent ordinance. And so this term of what it means to remember, this where now we take that same concept and we apply it to um, our military, uh, those who uh, gave the ultimate sacrifice for our country by giving of their lives. This whole thing of memorial remembrance uh, has been around for a while. See, when God gave this uh, remembrance, this memorial to the people of Israel, He was instructing the Jews that they were to have a feast every year to remember the events that surrounded the deliverance of the Israelites from the bondage of Egypt. Uh, today, we gather to remember as Memorial Day. Now, I've heard two different versions that I thought you might find it interesting of how Memorial Day came about. So I'm just going to tell you about both of them. First, the first version I've heard of Memorial Day uh, in April of 1863, in Columbus, Mississippi, after decorating the graves of her two sons who served in the Civil War as a Confederate soldier, soldiers, an elderly woman was also decorating two mounds that was in the corner of the cemetery. An observer stopped and asked this lady what she was doing. Uh, and the reason why... Um, she was asked was because the two mounds that were in the corner of that cemetery were Union soldiers' graves. Her reply was, I know, I also know that somewhere in the north, a mother and a, or a young wife is mourning for them as we are mourning for ours. This lady and a few others set in motion what became known as Memorial Day case you didn't know. Now, a second version that I also heard has to do with the custom of placing flowers on the graves of those who have fallen during times of war. It began on May 5, 1866 in Waterloo, New York, and Waterloo has been recognized by Congress as the official birthplace of Memorial Day. In 1868, General uh, John A. Logan, then president of the Grand Army of the Republic, 
declared that May 30th would be a day to decorate with flowers the graves of comrades who died in defense of their country during the Great Rebellion. And after World War I, the day was set aside to honor all of the American wars. And the custom was extended to pay homage to deceased relatives and friends, both military and civilian alike. Now, we set aside uh, this day, uh, Memorial Day, to remember and to honor those who have given their lives in the service of our country. We literally have our freedom today because of brave soldiers who gave their lives in defense of our country, and there is never enough gratitude we can have to remember that and the giving of thanks and in remembering the sacrifices that, that they have made for us. Now, as we think of this word, Memorial Day, we as a church have another memorial as well. It's a reminder regarding millions of those who have gone before us who have given their lives in the spreading of the gospel. Today, because of the grace that we have received from God, we have freedom to serve the Lord throughout this great nation. And we must always remember, never take that for granted, especially in light of all the Christians over this whole uh, rock that we live on who do not have that freedom today. And we are free from sin today because a man by the name of Jesus Christ became one of us and he gave his life so that we could have ours spared. If you are saved today, and when I say that, what I mean, if you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, then you owe it to Jesus to give him glory and honor and praise and thanks today as well because of every single thing that he has done for us. And what better way to do that than to live for him? And we should not take that for granted either. In vast areas of this world, taking a public stand for Jesus will cost you your very life. And while we know that salvation was given freely to all of us, it was very costly to Christ who had to pay for it. Now, speaking of things that are costly, I also want to put in perspective the sacrifices that was made on this day of Memorial Day. And I want to do this because if you're like me, it's easy to just, we know what we know, we leave and we go out and we're going to do what we're going to do and enjoy everything and we're not giving any thought as to why we have all that we have. So listen to this. In the Revolutionary War, 4,435 soldiers died. In the War of 1812, 2,260 people, soldiers, died. In the Mexican War, 13,283 perished. During the Civil War, 498,332 so, uh, soldiers died, but experts say that that number could realistically be put over 900,000. In the Spanish-American War, 2,446 died. In the Korean, uh, oh, excuse me, in World War I, 
116,516 soldiers gave their lives. In World War II, 405,399 men and women died. Uh, In the Korean War, 54,246 soldiers died. During the Vietnam War, 90,220 of our men died. In the Gulf War, there were 1,565 who perished. In the war in Iraq and the global war on terror, there have been 6,852 deaths. A grand total of these figures reveals that there have been well over 1.1 million U.S. soldiers who have died over the past two centuries fighting for our country's freedom. Jesus said in John 15, 13, Greater love has no one than this, than one lay down his life for his friends. So today, I want us to consider this term that we call memorial. And while we see it as a word, we need to be reminded that since words have meanings, this one word alone, this word memorial, has the ability to change not only lives, but also our destiny. It's a really big deal. So in your bulletin, the first point, memorials remind us of the past. And the verse that we read earlier, you're going to see it up on the screen, Moses communicated the, new, the, 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 the need for remembering. It's a memorial. Now, this day, will be a memorial to you. And you shall celebrate it as a feast to the Lord. Throughout your generations, you are to celebrate it as a permanent ordinance. And there's a reason for that. The Lord did not want the people to ever forget. We are so quick to forget things. And the Lord, this is His way of telling the people Do not forget this. This is a big deal. What day? It was the day that the Lord did a mighty act by delivering all of His people from bondage. It was the day that the people celebrated their Independence Day from slavery in a hostile land, having been held captive in that land for 400 years. 400 years. Can you imagine? 400 years in enemy territory in a pagan land with uh, the hostile, the ruthlessness of the way in which all the people, the Israelites were treated 400 years. It's beyond imagination. Life is a battle, both physically speaking and spiritually speaking as well. Memorials serve as a purpose in reminding us of the important events that have taken place, both past and present. And by remembering the past, we know how to proceed going into the future, don't we? It helps us, it guides us as we move forward. And looking back, Looking back reminds us of the changes that took place and why they were necessary. 
This remembrance was so important to the Lord that He instructed His people to teach their children. To teach their children. This would have been done in the form of a feast. This was to be a a festive time and uh, a sober time of remembering. They were to remember just how great a God that they serve. They were to remember that nothing, nothing is impossible with God. They needed to remember that there is a God who dwells with them and that God loves them. And in all four of those points, we too can be reminded of the same thing today. There is a God who walks among us. There is a God who dwells among us. There is a God who desires to lead us. There is a God who pursues you and me because it gives his heart joy having us close to him. It's a memorial. He wants us to remember who he is, what he has done, what he can do, and what he's going to do. Take to heart Hebrews 2, chapter 1. It says this, We must pay, you see this on top, the screen, We must pay more attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. We must pay attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away. And isn't that true? When, can you imagine, think about this for a moment, can you imagine what your life would be like today if you could act out on everything you've been taught? What if you remembered every single thing you learned about Jesus, the importance of living the life? What if you could remember and you acted out on every Bible verse you've heard? We would all be walking on water in our spare time. We would just be, we'd make Billy Graham look like a backslider. If every single one of us acted out on what we heard, what we've been taught, what kind of person would we be? See, we so quickly forget uh, what's been done for us and what's been taught to us, don't we? We so quickly forget. The real danger is not about leaving. This verse What does it say? So that we do not what? We do not drift away. It's a gradual drift, isn't it? You know, when you get away from God, it's never ever going to be measured by miles. It's going to be measured by inches. Because today, you stop spending a lot of time um, at the feet of Jesus Tomorrow, it'll be even less time and even less time the day after that. And next thing you know, suddenly you are so far away from the Lord that it may not even feel like it's worth it getting back to who He is. It's a gradual drift. And it moves really slow. It's nothing that just comes in and rocks your world and changes. But I would like to address what I uh, I like... Um, what I would like for us to consider is I want you to think for a moment two different types of people. The first type of people 
the first person are going to be those who act as if there is no God whatsoever. They choose to block out anything that has to do with God, and they want to shut down anyone attempting to interject God or Jesus into uh, today's broken world. We should not be surprised by their actions or by their words because they do not know the Creator. They can neither acknowledge or profess Him. But it's because they don't know Him. That's the first person. We cannot be surprised. You, you, you can never be offended. You should never be offended by the way that a lost person acts because they're lost. But the second type of person I want you to consider for a moment could be someone sitting right next to you. It could be the person sitting in your seat right now. I would like to address those of us that do know him. What is most alarming to me today are those who actually profess to know Christ, and yet when you observe by their words or by their actions, you cannot tell them apart from those who do not know God. When people cannot differentiate your walk with Christ versus those who have no walk with Him whatsoever, I would strongly suggest that you recheck that spiritual conversion experience that you say that you had once upon a time that you're clinging to. Better yet, I would suggest that you go back and remember. Remember the past. Remember when you first ran into Jesus. Remember how he found you. Remember the person that you were at that time and rekindle that commitment with Christ and repent. Repent and get your life back on track again with him. Recognize Jesus didn't die for everybody in this room. He died for you. And he died for you. He died for me. He died for you. Jesus it's personal. Go back if you have to. But remember, it's important to remember. He had you on his mind when he was on that cross. And we were 2,000 years from being born. When you go to him on his terms, you will be both pardoned, you will be both forgiven, and the Bible says you're going to be restored when you go to Jesus. When you remember, you remember what he did, you remember who he is, you remember who you are, and you go to him, you're going to leave different. He will not leave you the same person that you are because he cannot leave you the same person that you are. Hebrews 12, 7 through 8 says this. You'll see this on the screen. It is discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whose father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which you have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and you're not sons. And then just a few verses later, in verses 11, 13, we read these words. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness 
Therefore, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble and make straight paths for your feet so that the limb which is lame may be put out of joint, may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Memorials remind us of the past. And the reminder of uh, the verses that I just uh, read to you tells us that when we get away from him, he will always attempt to bring us back gently. And if that doesn't work, he will move in other ways. But our goal is to remember. It is to remember what he has told us. And our job is to remember what we are to do with what we have been told. Today, I want to ask everybody, and I'm speaking to myself, I've been thinking about this all week, I want every one of us to raise that memorial stone of your past and put it up to where you can see it. I want you to go to that stone often, and I want you to reflect, but don't stay there. Don't stay there. We, uh, we're not meant to go backwards. There is no question whatsoever that we need to remember the past. And as you look back to your old life, that moment when you gave your life to Jesus, remember too that the Bible says you died that day. And when you died, you died to yourself. And the Bible says you're now living for him. The moment you give your life to Christ, your old self is done away. You die. It's now no longer what you want, when you want, how you want. Your goal now is to join him with where he is going and to become like him. Some of us here today, some of us need to remember that. Because when you forget your past, you're going to forget your creator. Every single time it doesn't matter who you are you're going to forget your creator second point not only uh just uh do uh our memorials remind us of the past but we also see that memorials will reward us of the present when a person comes to know christ as lord and savior it is only at that moment that they begin to live out their real purpose statement before you have that life-changing experience with Christ, your life is empty and is void of the type of peace that only God can give. And the moment when it, yeah, that life has been transformed, your life was transformed, there is a brand new experience. There is a brand new way of thinking. It's all brand new. We all have that sin nature. Every single one of us. Some of us are professional sinners, and some of us are terrible sinners because we can't hide anything. We're all cursed with the same disease. Amen? Now, if you didn't say amen, you might want to say it again. We're all cursed with the same disease. Amen? Amen. Because we all are. Every single one of us. And memorials will reward us in the present by remembering that, because it helps us to stay closer and more dependent on the one who can lead us and get us to where he wants us to go. You know, Proverbs 4.23 says this, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. 
And speaking of that wellspring, remember what Jesus said to that woman at the well. The one who had been searching for love and for purpose and was presently living with her fifth husband. Remember his words to her when Jesus said this, Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, streams of living water will flow within him. Streams of living water. What does that mean exactly? John Calvin said of this verse, quote, There can be no doubt that they who believe shall suffer no want of spiritual blessings. He calls it living water. It's the fountain which never grows dry. Now, we know that this does not mean that all of our problems just magically disappear, but as Shirley Dobson put it, quote, On the contrary, the enjoyment of Christ kindles a new desire of Christ. The Holy Spirit is like a living and continuing flowing fountain inside of believers. And every time we pray, we have the privilege of tapping into that fountain. So let me ask you this. How often are you tapping into that fountain? I think most of us would agree that we need to be tapping into that fountain way, way more than we do at the moment. As the great hymn reminds us, to God be the glory for the things He has done. He has done great and marvelous things in our lives, and we would all do well to remember that. As we look back at Jesus and what He did for us, we also gain the courage and the faith to trust Him in the present time. He has never failed us before, and He's not going to start doing it right now. The faith is real. Christ is real. A new life with Him is real. A new reunion with deceased believers, it is real. A new identity with Him is real. It's all real. But it will only be applied as a reality in your life when by faith you'll reach out and grab on to Jesus. But it's real. It's real. It's time for us to apply what we know, what we've been told, and what we've learned, and, and we start living it every day. Not Sundays or Wednesday nights, we start living what we know. You remember. You remember what you've been taught, and you live it. You act it. You preach it. And you do so so that those around us who have no memorial in their life, their old life, they can look at us and see a genuine walk in a relationship and to notice that there is one person that does make a real difference in our lives, and that is the person of who Jesus Christ is. Paul told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 14 through 17, he said this, If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain, and your faith is vain. Moreover, 
We are even found to be false witnesses of God because we witness against God that He raised Jesus, whom He did not raise, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless, and you are still in your sins. And we definitely know that Christ has been raised. There's a great reward in remembering what has occurred for us, what Christ did for us, and what He is doing right now. And it's time for the church to come alive and to remember that truth. The ceremony that the Jews were to celebrate once a year, it was meant to remind them of their present condition. What He did for them in the past, He's going to do for them again. Don't be like one of those just-in-case Christians. And the just-in-case Christian are those people, they go to church just in case the preacher is right so that they'll have something to tell God one day. Let me tell you right now what God wants from all of us in this room. He doesn't want your church involvement. He doesn't care. He doesn't want to know what you've done for Him. He doesn't care about um, all these things that we pride ourselves up with, these lists of accomplishments. What He cares about is your heart. What the condition of your heart. That's, that's what He cares about. Now, clearly... It is important to surround yourself with fellowship of Christians because we come here to get energized. We come here to, to get the fellowship. The church is Jesus' idea. It wasn't man's idea. But he cares about our heart. That's what he cares about. It's a privilege to worship and praise and serve God all the time. It's not a drudge. It's not a pain. And the day that you begin to feel that it's just a drudge, that's a day to go back and remember. Don't serve Him because you have to. Serve Him because you long to. Serve Him because you get to. And if your present is corrupted, if you're here today and it's just not going the way you need it to go, know this, that can change. It only takes a real meaningful talk with God about where your life is at right now and how much you want it to be way different than it is right now, and He'll change it, and you can start again, brand new, all over. He's the only one that can do that for you. We don't do that for each other. We kick our wounded big time. God will release, He'll redeem, He will forget, He will forgive, and He will allow you to move on. So if you're here today, and it's not really clicking, or you find, find yourself being far and removed from the person that you know Christ wants you to be, know this. He is waiting for you to have that talk with Him because He is ready to turn that next chapter in your life and to get you moving in the direction that you need to go in and He wants to see you go. And the third point I want us to look at is memorials reassure us of the future, don't they? they? We know what's in our future. We know it. 
Listen to what the Lord told His people in Deuteronomy uh, 1.30. The Lord your God who goes before you will Himself fight on your behalf, just as He did for you in Egypt before your eyes. You say, well, that's all fine and good, but I've never been to Egypt. All right. Philippians. Paul told Philippians in chapter 1, verse 6, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will what? Perfect it until the day of the coming of Jesus Christ. If Jesus were here right now, he would say to you and he would say to me, you were worth fighting for. You were worth running after for. That's what he would say. You were worth dying for. That's what he would say. Memorials can serve to remind us of our future as well as the past and the present to come, but only if we remember. You know, in that great hymn, I almost... I almost told Ross during the, in, uh, during the week, hey, you know, and I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. We're just going to put it up on the screen. That hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. How many of y'all have heard it? If you haven't, then you just got off the ship to America. All right? Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. It is a great hymn. There's no way I'm going to sing it, or it won't be great anymore. All right? That's why these guys are the professionals on that. Listen to the words part. You're going to see it up on the screen. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily I'm constrained to be. I just feel like breaking out in song when I say this, but I'm not. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Remember that word drift away earlier? It's right here. Bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Memorials will remind us, even in our most difficult times, that God will never leave, nor will God ever forsake us. It's just not in God's DNA. It's just not who He is. He is worth serving. Keep your memorial before you where you can see it and where you can keep it. Now, Paul Harvey once told a story that summed up how we should be thankful for what has been done for us. And I think you're going to like this. He said it was gratitude that prompted an old man to visit an old broken pier on the eastern seacoast sea of Florida. Every Friday night until his death in 1973... This old man would return walking slowly and slightly stooped with a large bucket of shrimp. 
the seagulls would flock to this old man and he would feed them from this bucket. Now, many years before, in October of 1942, Captain Eddie Rickenbacker was on a mission in a B-17 to deliver an important message to General Douglas MacArthur, who was in New Guinea. But there was an unexpected detour which would hurl Captain Eddie into the most harrowing adventure of his life. Somewhere over the South Pacific, the Flying Fortress became lost beyond the reach of radio. Fuel ran dangerously low, so the men ditched their plane in the ocean. For nearly a month, Captain Eddie and his companions would fight the water and the weather and the scorching sun, and they spent many sleepless nights recoiling as giant sharks rammed their rafts. The largest raft was nine by five. The biggest sharks were ten feet long. But of all their enemies at sea, one proved most formidable, and it was starvation. Eight days out, their rations were long gone or destroyed by the salt water. It would take a miracle to sustain them, and a miracle occurred. In Captain Eddie's own words, quote, Cherry, that was the B-17 pilot, Captain William Cherry, read the service that afternoon, and we finished with a prayer for deliverance with a hymn of praise out there in that water. There was some talk, but it tapered off in the oppressive heat. With my hat pulled down over my eyes to keep out some of the glare, I dozed off. Now, this is Captain uh, Rickenbacker talking. Quote, something landed on my head. I knew it was a seagull. I don't know how I knew. I just knew. Everyone else knew it, too. No one said a word, but peering out from under my hat brim without moving my head, I could see the expression on their faces. They were staring at that goal. The goal meant food, if I could catch it. And the rest, as they say, is history. Captain Eddie caught the goal. Its flesh was eaten. Its intestines were used for bait to catch fish. The survivors were sustained and their hopes renewed because a lone seagull, uncharacteristically, hundreds of miles of land offered itself as a sacrifice. And you know that Captain Eddie made it. And now you also know that he never forgot. Because every Friday evening about sunset on a lonely stretch along the eastern Florida seacoast, you could see an old man walking, white-haired, bushy-eyebrowed, slightly bent, with a bucket that was full of shrimp to feed the seagulls to remember that one which on a day long past gave its life without a struggle. And just as Eddie Rickenbacker never forgot the seagull that gave its life. We should never, ever forget 
the soldiers who gave their lives in defense of our country. Because that seagull gave up its life, Eddie got a second chance at life. And because many brave men and women have died in the armed services fighting for our country's freedom, we too have a chance at life. It is a life of freedom. Both freedom and life never comes without a price. The blood of many fine soldiers paying for that freedom that we have today is just like the blood of that tiny little lamb of the Passover who paid for the lives of hundreds of thousands of Israelites in Egypt on that night. A price has to be paid for freedom and life, and that price is the death of another. Someone died in order that we might live. Our country soldiers died that we might have a life of freedom, and Jesus died that we might have a life that is eternal. And the story of the Passover, the blood of a lamb, was marked on the doorposts, and this caused the destroyer to pass over the households that were marked, thus granting them life. This represented the cross of Christ, upon which the very Lamb of God would give His own life that we might live forever in God's kingdom. Our soldiers died for our country's freedom. Jesus died for the spiritual freedom. Uh, for He said in John eight thirty six, If the Son makes you free, what? You shall be free indeed. And then in John 10, 10, Jesus told us, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. There is no freedom without the shedding of blood. And we should never forget our many soldiers who died for our freedom here in America. And most importantly, we should not forget Jesus Christ who gave his life on a cross in order that ours might be eternal with him one day. Let's pray. Father, we just want to come before you this morning. And God, we are just asking that you would help us to remember. Lord, there's just so much that we experience and go through all the time. And we get so busy and so distracted that we forget really big things that you have done and really big things, Lord, that you do every single day in our life. We remember those really big moments most of the time, but seldom, God, do we forget the little things that you do for us. God, it is my prayer today that you would help all of us to remember and to remember well God, I know that was in this room, uh, there are people here today whose lives were just drastically changed because they ran into you in this room once upon a time. Lord, there are so many other places that we can go to where you met us. In a field, in a car, that, that place with a friend where our whole life just, just changed. And I just ask God that you would help us to remember. 
I pray, Lord, that you would bless every single person here uh, that's here that uh, today, God, that you would bless them. But I pray, Lord, more than anything, help us, God, to look back on the things that you've done in our lives and help us to remember. Lord, we want to do more than just remember. We want to apply what we know. And God, we want to uh, add more to our life that will be a better uh, representation of who you are so that when people see us, they're going to see not just us, but they're going to see a real difference. And hopefully, God, that can eventually lead to, to who you are. For Lord, we remember. And just like that thief who said to Christ, to you, Christ, on that cross, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Lord, I pray that today you will help us to remember. We want to remember. And God, we just want to thank you for this day. And God, uh, I know I can speak on behalf of everyone here. Lord, would you bless all of our military personnel today. Bless them richly. In Jesus' name, amen.